The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you, Jonathan. Good morning. For those who are visiting, uh, my name is Paul. I am the senior pastor here, and I am carrying these stools because we're going to do something quite different today, and yet, uh, historically, this has been one of the favorite things we do here at One Fellowship. Uh, We are going to have a One Fellowship panel, and uh, we're going to hear different testimonies from within our church of what it means to be the church. We've done so much together uh, this summer, some of which is brand new. And uh, as we just heard the scripture read, Jesus said, go, go, go. And so one fellowship, we've been going, haven't we? At this time, could we get a round of applause for our panelists, Cody, Jonathan, and Leah? And Rachel, I almost forgot Rachel. Come on up, Rachel. Now, Leah said she's going to need about three hours. So hopefully uh, you can lock in. And if you need to use the restroom, just kidding. We didn't do three hours earlier. But uh, almost, almost. There's a lot of good things that I think will challenge and encourage everyone here today. So before we do this, could we bow our heads for another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me introduce our panelists today. We've got Leah Judway over here. She helped lead a trip to Kenya to the very ends of the earth. She'll explore what that meant for her. We've got Cody, our pastor of Students and Connections. He helped lead various things this summer, but he'll be speaking about the students camp in the mountains. We've got Rachel over here. She helped lead our one kids camp. And then we have Jonathan Hyatt, who helped lead our missions uh, trip of students to inner city Memphis. So we have several uh, questions, kind of popcorn style in Q&A. So let's just dive right in. Uh, Friends, where are you originally from, and when did you first start following Jesus? Yeah, so I'm a local. I'm from right here in Charleston, South Carolina, which is pretty rare around here, actually. That's weird, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's weird. Um, But I grew up in the church. I'm a PK, a pastor's kid. Uh, Went to Christian school all my life. Um, Through my teenage years, I had a head knowledge of the gospel of who Jesus was, But the world around me didn't always match up with that. And I was left with a lot of questions and doubts and struggles. Um, But around my junior, senior year of high school, I I made the decision during a school chapel service to just say, you know what, I'm not going to try to get all these questions answered and then come to Jesus. I'm going to come to Jesus 
and he'll help get me there. And so I um, committed my life to Christ. And as I went through college, I just um, sought Christ uh, and, and tried to, to wrestle with those questions and, and get to know him uh, more and more. And uh, I grew up in San Diego, um, and I was, uh, as a young age, I was a little bit of a church kid. Um, my mom was church secretary at our church. My dad was on the worship team, and they had a military ministry um, that met in our home. So um, I was always in church. I think I was, it was my second home, basically. Um, so uh, I actually came to Christ at a really young age of four. Um, my older sister, uh, had kind of talked me through the gospel from the top bunk of our bed. And uh, from the bottom bunk, I prayed with her, and it was the first time I met Jesus. And um, as I grew older, my faith matured, and um, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by people who were faithful, who were godly, and who led me in, in the right way. And so um, that was my story. And uh, you shared, when I asked how old was your sister when she led you, little four-year-old Rachel to Christ, she was nine. nine years old from the top bunk. How precious is that? All right, Cody. Yeah, so I am from big city, Beulahville, Where North is that? Carolina. Beulahville? Four hours north, you'll find it. You'll find it. A couple stoplights, they're not necessary. <laughs> Beulahville, North Carolina. Um, I grew up in church. Anytime the church doors was open, I was there because uh, my parents made me most of the time uh, be there, whether it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, all sorts of times I was there. Um, and then growing up all through school and all through that, my faith really became my own in high school. Um, I went from, uh, you know, God being the God, the Savior, the Lord, uh, to being my God and my Savior, my Lord and ruler of my life. Um, and that happened in high school. I had a youth pastor who was very intentional with me and my group, and uh, that's where it really all began for me. Um, I uh, grew up all over the world. I'm an army brat, so there isn't one place that I'm from. Um, I grew up in the church. My parents were saved in the 70s with all the other Jesus freak hippies, and, and we've been going to church my entire life. I... Um, I joke that I wasn't as confident as Rachel. I think I was saved about a dozen times between ages five and 11. I, my kid brain just did not know if it took the first time, I guess. I don't know. So, but it was when I was 11 that, um, I was in a junior high youth meeting and, um, I prayed that sinner's prayer again, and that was the first time that I felt the Holy Spirit, and it was so unbelievably, like, just a remarkable experience for me. I remember everything about it, and so that is really the moment that I mark as the start of my relationship with Christ. All right, second question, and I want to preface it by sharing a passage in Acts chapter 1, and for those who don't know, Acts is short for Acts of the Apostles. You know, the early church being birthed, the early disciples asked Jesus, is now the time, post-resurrection, is now the time you're going to establish your kingdom? And he said, it's not for you to know the time and the place, but you will be my witnesses when you receive the Holy Spirit. And you will go to Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that might sound just random to you, but it wouldn't have been random to them because it actually was a strategic 
means by which the gospel was going to spread. It was going to spread locally in their homes and in their city, and then regionally, nationally, and then globally. And so that's how we've done it here at One Fellowship. We've started locally uh, and then pressed out to regional missions and the national missions. And then this year is the first time we've gone international, and we've gone not just international. We, we went to the very ends of the earth. So with that as a preface, tell us about your missions trip or camp that you helped lead this summer. And why did you say yes so I um, went. I was on a team of six. Um, we went to Turkana, Kenya, which is really far away. It's about four planes and then another um, two-hour two drive out into just nowhere. Um, I mean, just completely forgotten, ignored people um, in Africa, even by their own government. Um, no one even knows that they're there. It's very interesting. They've been living the same ways for centuries. Not a lot has changed. Um, and so we partnered with Bread of Life Mission to, um, they are there on the ground. They've been there for a few years now. They've built a, camp, a little camp base there. And one of our um, people here, Mel Alm, is a full-time missionary with them. And when she lives here in Charleston part of the year, she comes to church here. Um, so we were able to go and finally send a team out there, which was really exciting for the first time. And um, we, we were asked to do VBS at the very last minute because we learned that the kids were going to be um, home from school that week. So we had a four-day VBS program thrown together at the very last minute for two different villages for about 200 kids. Um, we were also asked to uh, do a lot of speaking, give sermons, lots of testimonies, lead Bible studies um, that we were also not prepared for, but we said yes, and it was truly remarkable and worked with widows in the widow ministry that Mel um, started there. Um, but really it was my friendship with Mel that um, led me to say yes to this trip. For the last three or four years, she has been talking to me about getting out there to Turkana. And I've said yes three or four years ago, but God kept saying, not yet, not yet, not yet. And it was when Leslie stood up here and said, we put a team together, we're going, that I turned to my husband and said, this is it, it's time. And he said, yep, it's time. And mm. that was how we sort of got there, finally. 54 hours later. 54? <laughs> One way. Three or four hours of sleep. Wow. 54 hours it takes to get out there. It's worth it, I promise. It's worth it. All right, Cody. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm representing summer camp, uh, which we just got back from on Thursday afternoon. Uh, but the whole reason student ministry exists here at One Fellowship, the whole reason we have our students involved in summer camp, kids camp, missions trip, is because we want our students to know and enjoy Christ in their hearts, homes, and schools. And summer camp is just that, to know and enjoy, to know and enjoy. They have all these different intentional times of learning about Jesus and learning about Christ and how Christ can edify their life and how they can, uh, in representing Christ well, can help others live well and show Christ to them. Um, but summer camp specifically, it's an intentional time away uh, without technology. So the students don't have their phones uh, and it's a time away 
in a different location. And so it's in the mountains of North Carolina, away from the beach, in the mountains, and then together. And so it's just this very intentional time uh, at a different location, kind of out of your comfort zone, and you're doing life together. And it's just this beautiful opportunity for the students to know Christ on a deeper level and to enjoy him uh, for four straight days in a, in a different way than they usually do here. And hold the mic, because you didn't answer the second part in the first service. What led you to say yes to being a pastor for students? Yeah, so uh, being a pastor for students, it kind of goes back to the first question of where I, uh, I had a youth pastor who meant a lot to me in my life. Um, and his example and what he did for me and the importance of student ministry was uh, displayed on my heart there. And then once I was in college, I changed trajectory a few times and I uh, felt the call to ministry, and, uh, and now we're here. Thank you. And for those who are new to our church, Cody's been on staff for five years this summer. And uh, to show his level of commitment, he actually moved his wedding so that he could join our staff five years ago. And he's uh, even surpassed expectations. I can say that as a dad and as a pastor. Okay, Rach, tell us about... Um, the kids camp and why you said yes. Um, so our kids camp, uh, this is the fifth year. They started in 2017 and um, this is, this camp was the biggest camp that we've had. Um, post COVID it's, you know, been a transition, but um, they showed up this year and it was fantastic. Um, so every year as a mom myself, I've been able to see the fruits of the camp. Um, to see what my son is learning and to see what all these other kids are learning and not just learning, but know what they know. They, by the end of the week, they know Jesus in a different way. Um, and so it was an easy yes. Um, my camp experience as a kid was always foundational, formational, um, experiencing things. So I wholeheartedly want to see that in every single child, um, that they get to know Jesus and love him and experience him. So Awesome. So, yeah, I led uh, the missions team of students to inner city Memphis. We partnered with a church there uh, and with Praying Pelican Mission Group. We were basically there to just help in any way we could. We, we met any needs the community presented us with, and uh, the different teams did, did a myriad of things all week, and uh, it, was, it was really wonderful. Uh, how I said yes is a little bit interesting. So if I back up a few weeks, I got married at the end of May, and as me and um, now Allison Hyatt, then Allison Huggins, were talking about our honeymoon and making plans for after our uh, wedding, you know, she's student's coordinator here on staff. And we were looking at, hey, we're going to get home from our honeymoon. We're going to be home for 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever. And we're going to turn around and take a nine-hour drive to inner city Memphis. Um, and is that a good idea? You know, should we do this? Should we go through with this? So we sought some wise counsel. And they basically said, that's crazy. You probably shouldn't go do that. You should just take some time. But we're a little crazy. So we said, let's do it. Let's, um, let's and we go. didn't think you'd even make it back from, I didn't think you'd get back Paul from Europe. I was going to get imprisoned in Europe. And I, I don't know. <laughs> thought you'd get held up. So that's a tight window. So yeah, we, we made it back. And uh, I remember having a conversation with, with Allie after the week was done and just talking through, um, how much more fulfilling a week was there sleeping on church pews in a weird gymnasium um, than it would have been spending, you know, a week on the beach or something. So we're very thankful. It was a beautiful opportunity. 
Wow. Again, sacrifice. Can you share, uh, friends, a specific story of how God showed up on your mission trip or at your camp? And let me, again, share another brief scripture. In Revelation, the last book of the Bible, there's this scene of good versus evil in Revelation chapter 12. And I don't, I don't know if you remember the verse. I think it's chap, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 11. And it says, um, the church basically shall overcome through the blood of the lamb and the testimony of the saints. The church shall overcome the evil one through the blood of the lamb and the testimony of the saints. So it's all foundational uh, around what Christ has done for us. But then there's this second part where we're called to share our stories. And so we're going to do that right now. And one of my encouragements is for you to learn to share your faith story in this. So let's share some specifics. Yeah, so when we got to Memphis, uh, the team I was in charge of, six or seven students, we were given uh, the job of laying carpet in this large facility behind the church. And I don't know if any of you have laid carpet. We had not. And it takes some, some prior knowledge and skill, so I don't know why we were chosen to do this, but we were there and we were ready. Um, and so... We jumped in to all the different things that go into this process, and we started 7 a.m., and it's important to know, when we got to Memphis, it was about 105 degrees outside, there's no breeze, and we were working inside of buildings that had no AC, so it was probably 200 degrees, I mean, it was just brutal, and... We worked from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. the first day, just cutting carpet, laying carpet, seaming carpet, and we finished. And, you know, I'll be honest, I was thinking like, okay, Lord, please don't make us do that again. I'm, I'm pretty much done with carpet. I've learned what I need to learn there. We woke up the next morning, and we were on carpet duty again. Sure enough, 7.30, 3 o'clock. That day, we were, we were doing a lot of the, the actual seaming of the carpets, and the, the instrument you use to seam, the bottom of it gets to be about three, 400 degrees. Um, and a few of us, it actually, we were wearing gloves, and it burned our fingers through the gloves. It was just really, really hard work. Um, so we finished that second day, and I was like just so thankful we were done. And the third day came around, and everybody got new assignments. Um, But our team, a few of the students said, hey, let's finish what we started. We're carpeting again. So we carpeted another whole day. And what really sticks out to me from the whole experience is uh, we had students in in my group, all ages, um, that were so happy to be doing what they were doing. The joy of the Lord was just radiating from them, smiles on their faces, and it became so clear to me as we were talking and having conversations, like you see in this picture here, um, while we were working, that the students had a real vision for what we were doing. Uh, we were putting down carpet in a building that was going to be used to house people who had been displaced through natural disasters or through hard, financial hardship that the church could take them in and provide a place for them. And the students, through really understanding that vision and leaning into it, they became the hands and feet of Jesus, and we were, we were not in a normal church setting, but that moment and, and those days became really holy, I think, for all of us. And we got to see what it really looks like when students, when kids come together and say, I'm going to be Jesus for the people um, that need it in this community. And it was really, really awesome. Um, and so... 
Uh, one thing that happened at our camp um, kind of happened a little bit beforehand. Uh, there were a lot of kids who signed up and we opened registration. They registered and they kept registering and it was fantastic, it was wonderful. Um, we got to see the numbers grow and then we looked and we looked at the volunteers that had signed up and we looked at um, the student leaders and, and the ratios were just slightly off. And um, so we were just you know, praying into it, um, but uh, we weren't sure you know, how that was gonna look, um, but God showed up even in this small aspect that um, there were leaders there. And not only were they there, they were purposely placed, um, their giftings were used, um, and to see them connecting with children. Um, we had our youngest child, she was five, um, and our oldest volunteer was in her 70s. So to see multi-generationally um, how they're pouring the love of Christ into these children, and the children were then able to do the same thing for the volunteers. Um, but you know, whether it was bandaging a knee from someone who fell, or it was just um, a, a volunteer who you know would show up extra early each day. She was bringing ice just in case we needed extra ice. Um, so everyone just owned what they were doing, and the student leaders really. Um, they stepped up um, and they were leading and it was great to see their example for those younger children uh, of what, what it looks like to follow Christ. So, mm. And I, I just want to pause here and say you, you do not have to have kids to make an impact in the kids of this church. And we're all in with our kids and our students and uh, what's amazing is it's a multi-generational endeavor. Like we're a bit tribal, if you will. So if you call our church home, you're going to have an impact and being a part of this community and others are going to have an impact if you have kids in the lives of your kids. And so it's really special. And I can say that again, because I've had three kids now grow up in this church and everyone on this stage, let alone a lot of you have raised my kids up to be the men and women God's created them to be. So yeah, Blaze, he's pumping. You're thankful too, right, Blaze? Have other voices, yes. All right, Cody, can you share a specific story that stood out to you? Yeah, and there's so many different ways to go with this question. I shared one story in the 9 a.m. You'll have to go on YouTube and check that out. I want to share a different story. You can throw this picture up. Um, <clears throat> how I think God showed up as, at, at students camp, um, again, there's a lot of different ways, but if you look at this picture and you look at the faces that are in this picture, the students that are in this picture, um, you'll see students that have called One Fellowship home from the beginning. You'll see students who have called and that have been present from the beginning. You'll find students whose families have called One Fellowship home from the beginning and they haven't been as consistent. You'll find students who just moved here a few weeks ago who decided to hop on to camp. You'll find students who are whose family does not come to our church, but they're friends with some who did come that decided to hop on with us and go to summer camp. And it's just a beautiful picture of all are welcome. All are welcome to summer camp, to youth group, but all are welcome in Christ. And I, you see that here and you see the different connections that are formed. Kids who did not, who, who don't come to youth group because they don't have friends. Friends are an important piece. They come and make friends here. And we've seen it year after year. You make friends at summer camp or you make friends at kids camp and then you start attending youth group consistently. And so you just see God show up in the relationships and in the connections and it is, um, it's wonderful to see. It's beautiful. 
Um, so there's uh, about a thousand ways that God showed up for this trip. It was, um, I do like refer to it as like a catastrophe, this basically this entire trip. But what was so beautiful about it was that like, even in the catastrophe, I mean, it wasn't in spite of it. It was because of all of it that we were able to just have the most incredible experience because it really did um, allow us to look and see what God is doing and how, because we had nothing. I mean, we showed up and our bags weren't there. We lost all of our bags, you guys. We were in Africa for two weeks with only what was in our carry-ons on our backpacks. Like two that, weeks. that was strange. Uh, that was a new experience. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, you know, we, we ended up pooling all of our resources and seeing who brought what and somehow everyone had packed what the other person needed for the entire time. We were able to pick up a couple things. I don't know if you want to put the team up there. Um, we were able to pick up a couple things, including clothing in the last town that was really like the last town before we went really far out into the bush, which is why all of our pictures were in these like really colorful dresses that are so beautiful. But, the, you know, we, we were able to get like soap and toilet paper, thankfully. But like that was it and dresses and that was it and it was just whatever we had on our backs and God literally provided everything we needed not everything we wanted but we learned exactly what we needed from that experience versus what we wanted and 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 he just he showed up and and the 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 overarching theme of the entire trip that we talked about a lot was Jehovah Jireh I mean he provided everything so much so that it, you know, we were provided for our physical needs, but we were also provided for our mental needs and our emotional needs so that we could say yes to like, sure, I'll give a sermon tomorrow. Don't have one prepared, but we'll figure it out. You know, like all of these things we were able to go and do because we knew that God was there providing. We had no cares. We had no worries. All we were left to do was go out and do good work. And that was it. And it was truly remarkable. And Dylan, I'll invite you to show the other couple of pictures from Kenya here. That was our, our team of moms and our best man, Kim. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we're serving. We've got VBS, guys. We have no supplies. That's lost as well. So we're using sticks and rocks and whatever we can find, literally, to, to do VBS, a four-day program in two different We can go to the next places. one as well, Dylan. Um, there Carly has drawn things on the ground and they're trying to throw things into the circles she's drawn. We just were making up a lot of games out of thin air because we had no crafts. <laughs> but that was another thing. Carly had magically decided to throw in her Bluetooth speaker in her carry-on. So we didn't have a single piece of paper or crayon, but we had a Bluetooth speaker, so we had music. And we could do musical chairs and we can do freeze dance. And it was just really, truly remarkable. Remarkable. I, uh, I didn't share this, but I know this insider report. Uh, this was off the grid, y'all. You can't find it on Google Maps, this place. I mean, it's, it's truly off the grid. People in Kenya don't know Turkana exists. If you've ever seen the uh, first Star Wars, the very first one, you know, where Luke was growing up, that's what it looks like. It's so dry and so remote. Uh, and about midway through the trip, one of the people on the trip, who will go unnamed, they had no running water, no electricity. I mean, it, it was rough, y'all. And she said, I, I got to get off the farm. And they're like, what? I've got to get off the farm. I'm leaving today. First of all, it was hard enough to get there, 
let alone leave. And, and, and so they rallied around this person. Wouldn't you know it that God not only like broke kind of that, I don't know, depression and hardship in this person, that person went on to then volunteer and lead different devotionals uh, as the trip went on. God just broke and opened her heart. And so it reminds me of the Corey Ten Boom quote, and, and I might not have this perfectly, but Corey Ten Boom, who grew up during World War II, got, um, when, when Christ is all you have, you realize he is all you need. And you see here in Charleston, you know, if some of you are bored or always looking at the new car, new house, new outfit, might it be that you're called to something more than that stuff? That you're called to a bigger story and a bigger community, a bigger church family. My wife came home and she said, we're part of a much bigger story. Leah said, everyone at One Fellowship needs to go. That's a big ask. We'll come to that in just a minute. Um, Last question. What would you say to others about serving in missions here at One Fellowship or in the kids and students ministries? So, um, you know, as Christians, we're all called to the Great Commission. And I think that a lot of us think that it is like, you know, we read in the scripture, like, go and make disciples and all of that, what we were talking about. And, and um, that's just one of the jobs. Going is one of the jobs. There's also giving, supporting these missionaries and praying and um, serving in every single one of these areas and beyond. And I learned personally, leaving a five-year-old at home for this trip, you know, all of my past short-term missions, I never had a child that I was leaving. And I basically started calling and asking grandparents for overnights and friends if they could do playdates. And I had people come to me and say, "I, I can't afford to give you money this trip, but, but let me take Eliza. Let me take her for the whole day and I will love her and care for her. So you don't have to worry about anything. And she had places to go every single day of that entire time I was gone so that my husband did not have to take two weeks off of work. And it was just truly amazing. God just revealed that I was just one part of this whole team of people that all said yes to the great commission. They all said yes and, and was able to serve in all of their like specific ways. But, you know, God shared some words with me to share with you today, this morning in the first service. And I'm going to share them again because I'm looking around and I'm seeing all of these men. And I believe that there are people in this service right now that are being called to go. I believe that it's happening. I believe that God's calling Paul to go to Africa next. And I believe that he's being called to lead a group of men from this church because those of you who are new at One Fellowship, our men's ministry is absolutely amazing. And I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. I've been a a member of many churches and I've never seen a men's ministry as incredible as the one we see here. And you guys, you men, you go and you pack your bags and you go for a hike once a year for four days in the mountains, which by the way, the moms just did in Africa for two weeks, I'm just saying. So you go to this mountain and you have these amazing experiences and God is speaking to you and he's breaking down barriers and he's breaking down walls and he's breaking generational chains and curses. And I know all of this is happening there because I've seen it in my husband. He's a changed man and our family is changed because of these trips and because of this ministry. And I got to tell you about these men in Turkana. They are... um, they don't do anything. This is their culture. They don't work. They, they take multiple child brides 
and they sit under trees and they talk to each other all day while the women, the wives are the ones building the houses. The wives are walking for water. The wives are making baskets and trying to sell them for a dollar or two dollars to try and get money to feed and provide for their families while the husbands are literally doing nothing. And I believe that God is calling the men of this church that you guys have literally been trained for this. You've been training on that mountain to pack that bag again and get on a plane and go to Turkana and sit under the trees and talk to these men about Jesus. I believe that you specifically are being called to go because those men aren't going to hear it from the moms. They need men to show them what it's like to be a beautiful, caring, loving, humble, strong men of Christ that I know that you guys are. And I believe that he's calling you. Do you, you think Gerald is part of that mix and Frederick? And you think those guys? Yeah, that was a powerful word, wasn't it? She voluntold me in the first service that I'm supposed to go to Kenya. All right. Cody, what would you say? Yeah, to follow that, um, students' ministry. Student ministry is phenomenal. Working with students is phenomenal. It is stressful, but it is phenomenal. Um, the, the students, uh, let me just say this, uh, you're missing out. If you're not serving in the student ministry, some form, some fashion, some way, you're missing out. These kids from, from the high schoolers to the middle schoolers are incredible people that you need to know. You need to know them because they, they have a lot that you can be a part of and you're missing out on if you're not a part of it. But also they're missing out. If you're not serving in some form or some fashion, they're missing out on what you have to offer and the relationship that you can bring with them. And the, the statistic, I've shared this several times, but the going statistic right now is I think it's three to six adults every student needs to know before they head off to college for their faith to stick. And so can you be that consistent adult in their life uh, for their faith to be able to stick? And I think you can be think you can be. I think you're missing out and they're missing out on you not being a part. All right. All right. And uh, echoing off that, kids are fun. They are amazing. They are brilliant and bright and they are a light that um, I think we don't appreciate enough. Um, God created them and they are just the purest, sweetest things. Um, they're fun. They're loud. They're busy. Um, they're great. Um, so, uh, when you get to be involved in that, um, you get to, you're, you know, oftentimes, even if volunteers at church where, you know, there's a lesson plan that we get and, and they're reading it and everything, but what you're getting yourself um, and what you're forming in your own faith as you're leading and walking alongside these children is, is a beautiful thing. Um, we have lots of people who have, have volunteered and it's been great and it's not all moms and dads it's not um, grandmas and grandpas but those are important everybody is important um, we have single um, people who are are volunteering and they are important in the lives of these children it's important for these children to see at the youngest age um, what it looks like to have a walk with Jesus uh, and so I can't recommend it enough Amen. Let me just piggyback off of uh, Rachel. I'll never forget going into the VBS or Vacation Bible School. We call it One Kids Camp. A single guy who I think played D1 football. 
Um, he's, he's a big dude. He's at the 9 a.m. Single. He's like, hey, hey, can I, uh, I think I'm supposed to serve at the kids' camp. Is that okay? And so we're like, yeah. So this man, you know, we do background checks, do all that stuff. This man took a day off work to give his time to the kids of this church. He can do it. We can do it. Go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, so I was talking with some of the other leaders as we've gone through this summer with students, all the different things we've done, even going back to the spring, the different trips and and that sort of thing. And we understand that serving with students is a sacrifice. It is rewarding. It's a ton of fun, but it, it takes a sacrifice. And I just think we would all be better off thinking about our student ministry as uh, less of an opportunity and more of a necessity. These kids need us. They need you. Um, we, we are always looking for more volunteers and, and more help. Um, at, at 24 years old, I sometimes struggle with knowing fully and, and exactly what Jesus meant when he said, take up your cross, die daily, follow me. Or when he called his disciples, he always said, hey, set down everything you're doing with your life and come have this new life with me. And that can look really challenging sometimes in in the modern context. But I know at the very least, it means giving up time and resources to build a better foundation for the church tomorrow. Um, The leaders up here, we are cashing in all of our chips because we believe in your kids. Um, We give up our, our, our time because we see this as an absolute necessity. So I would just, I would just call out to you guys and say, join us on this mission um, in any way you can. We need your help. They need your help. Um, and when you get in there, you, you quickly learn that you'll find way more things and way b- more beautiful things than, than you ever could give up. So, Amen. Well, with that, I uh, want to give them a round of applause. Thanks for being faithful. Um, Drew, if you could do me a favor, could you grab some of the serve team cards there and just play, place them on the front of the stage before we go to communion? So we'll have that after the first service. People said, well, what do I do next? How do I sign up? Um, we'll have some serve team cards up here. There are other opportunities to live on mission with our church that were not mentioned today. People want to say, tell us about the church, this and that. And the easiest next steps for you to learn who we are is to uh, grow with us and serve with us. We're relaunching all of our just life groups, study groups, these kind of groups in the fall, in September. In addition to that, just do shoulder-to-shoulder ministry with us. We feed the poor once a month or feed the sheep. Your whole family can do it, or if you're single, you can do it with us. We do that in North Charleston. Uh, We do Hope Repair, repairing houses. Could you hold a hammer and do some stuff like that? You don't have to be an expert carpenter. So there are different ways we're teaching English to some of the Afghan refugees. Uh, I would just say you're made for more. And we're going to, if you're going to call this church home, we're going to call you to live for Christ with us. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many ways you're showing up here in one fellowship through Jonathan and, and Rachel and Cody and Leah and all the other people. Some of us think we're not ready. Well, guess what? Your disciples weren't ready. And you said, go. You equip us as we go. So God, this morning, I pray for the Reagans and the Sams and the Butches and all of us. You would raise us up to be the men and women 
kids and students you've created us to be for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.